Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. So very glad to have you with us. A lot of stuff to get to. I want to start with talking about the vaccination process. We have to do a better job of getting vaccines hooked up with the people who need the vaccines. And I guess I want to open up the phone lines. Our number is 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. If you've... If you are somebody who is eligible, I'm not talking about cutting in line to, to get in front of other people, but if you're somebody who is in this criteria that you are eligible to get the vaccine, my question is, how difficult has it been for you to get that? And I say that because, well, I'll tell the story in just a minute, but I, I have a number of friends who were very, very frustrated and until we, we all kind of got a break the other day, yesterday, as a matter of fact, that, that's opened it up so people can get the vaccines. But I, I've been sitting here thinking about for people who are looking for vaccines, how difficult it must be. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, here's my story. I, I'm I'm not in the, the class right now of people who should get the vaccine, so I, who's eligible to it. And like I say, I'm, I'm not going to jump in, in line ahead of somebody else. So I, I'm living with it. My wife, on the other hand, is eligible for the vaccine, and we've been kind of we've been looking around and through our health care provider, there was the opportunity to get the vaccine. But the vaccine that they were giving out was one that um, the Pfizer, you, you get the second dose three weeks after the Moderna, you get the second dose four weeks after. And my wife's going to be out of town for a few weeks in mid-March. So that the timing she had signed up through our health care provider, but that the timing for the second dose just didn't work. So we said, okay, well, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of roll the dice. Well, yesterday afternoon, I, I get an email from the pastor at our church. It was sent out to all the members of the church, and he was saying, hey, there's this other church in the area that's um, just found out that they're able to do a vaccination clinic tomorrow, which would be today. And, you know, if, if you qualify, here's a number you can call. And I, I I immediately saw that. I called the number, wonderful lady, her name is Karen, and, and we were able to get my, my wife scheduled for this afternoon. And then we've had a couple friends who are, again, they're, they're, they're eligible for this, who've been very, very frustrated because they just haven't been able to get anywhere with this. And, and so ultimately, the, the, the place, and it, it's only happenstance that I learned about it because I got this email from the pastor at our church and that they were wonderful to work with. So the bottom line is we got three of our friends signed up again to, to get the vaccines this afternoon and it's the Pfizer, Pfizer one. So you get, you know, your second dose in three weeks and it, it's all going to work out. But it was really just, just this happenstance because the people that I was talking to who I, I was able to help sign up for this today, all of them, um, were who are by the way they're they're internet savvy but were extremely frustrated because gee I tried to go on to the Ozaki Washington County Health Department thing but you can only go on at ten o'clock and everything's filled up by ten o three and if you don't get in the right line you're not going to get it extreme frustration so uh, again for my wife and for some of our friends 
it, it just by happenstance, the fact that, you know, our church happened to hear from another church that there were availability and we were able to jump on it right away. We're, you know, we're going to get that part taken care of. But I got to imagine that for a lot of other people, it's just an ongoing nightmare. 855-616-1620, which brings me to the premise. We've got to make it easier, especially for older people who might not be as internet savvy as, as some others. Now, I'm, I'm not particularly internet savvy, but I, I, I know enough to be dangerous. But, you know, there, there's a lot of people, the idea of, well, you gotta go to all these different websites and you have to be there and you have to be waiting at 10 a.m. on Monday. It, it's just not going to happen. 855-616-1620. Let's start with Cindy in Waukesha. Cindy, good afternoon. Good afternoon. How difficult has it been? It is totally frustrating. Um, I signed on to every health department website that I could. Uh, Cudahy, Oak Creek, um, Waukesha, Milwaukee, Walworth County, everywhere. I just by chance was informed by a friend, and I know this is just what you were talking about, be online at midnight (laughs) for this particular site. I went on at midnight last night, and I got a spot, and I got my shot this morning. Wow. <laughs> but but it was but it was you, you had to be in that right place at the right time and you had to be awake at midnight last night exactly. or else it wasn't going to happen. Yep. We need to make it easier, exactly. Cindy. You know, I mean and, and, and congratulations I agree. And, I, and I'm glad you got it, but I'm oh, sitting there, I'm, Yeah, I'm sitting there thinking what do you do with all the people out there that 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 don't have those contacts or, or aren't able to be on the internet at midnight or whatever. We got to figure out a way to get those people vaccinated. And this place today told me, oh, we have so many phone calls that we have to turn people away. Because, again, these people may not, you're right, not know how to use the computer. Right. So, yeah, we, uh, no. I, I luck out. I'm very happy. Well, thank, thanks for calling. And, again, I, I think, I mean, a lot of the stories, these quote-unquote success stories that I am hearing from, from acquaintances of mine are, are along those lines. Or, or it's stuff, again, that, that happens. You you get that email from somebody who knows somebody, or in this case, it was, it was like I say, it was my pastor, and it wasn't just sent to me. It, it was sent to all members of the church. Hey, if you're looking for this and you're in that category, um, you know, there's this other church that's doing this, and here you, you can make th- this contact. So it wasn't anything special that was sent to me. It was, again, sent to all the members of the church, but and, which is great, and, and I'm very, very pleased that it was able to work out that way, and, and hopefully when it's, it's my turn to get the vaccine, hopefully it'll be a little bit easier or something. Matter of fact, when I was talking to the lady, I said, well, it's not my turn. But she said, well, I can put you on a waiting list that for when it, it, it then expands. I said, that's great if it works out that way. But my point is we've got to make it easier. Let's talk to Hurley in Germantown. You're on WTMJ. Hi, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Um, I, I'm a uh, 74-year-old veteran, and I try to get on with the VA, filled out all kinds of paperwork online and went back and forth. Uh, I also live in Washington County, and uh, every time I tried with the health department, they're, uh, on their Mondays, like you were talking about, their computer crashed for the last three weeks. Right, and, and, and you can only do it, by the way, uh, and you can, I'm sorry, you can only do it in Washington, Ozaukee County. At 10 o'clock on, on Monday, Monday morning, right. right. And, and if you're not yeah. in, it, it's sort of like when you're trying to get, I don't know, tickets for a Rolling Stones concert or something. If you're not, you you got to be in line, <laughs> exactly. and, and you got to hope that your number is going to come up. And if you don't get it in those first three minutes, you're just out of luck. I, there, there, there's got to be a better way for this. We we got to get people vaccinated. 
I was on three lists for uh, three different drug stores, and my uh, primary care physicians with Aurora, and they keep on telling you, don't call us, we'll call you, right. which they never have. Right. Yesterday, I lucked out. I At exactly 10 o'clock, I got on Washington County's uh, health department thing, and I've got an appointment for tomorrow, so okay. wish me luck. <laughs> Thanks for your call. Well, good, good luck with that. Good luck with that. And, I, and, and look, and, and I understand that everybody's trying to do their best. And by the way, this lady that I, that I talked to that, that helped us out, and it's, and it's through a church, and it's through some pharmacy that has these things, it was just, just an absolute godsend because I was like, oh, you got my wife in. That's great. Oh, we, we have this friend, and our, our dear friend Colleen, and she's been just really frustrated trying to get this. And, um, well, I I think I can squeeze that in. And then I call her back a little bit later on and say, well, we've got another friend. My friend Joe hasn't been able to do this. And, and you know, well, we just had a cancellation. Oh, so, I mean, I've been lucky, but it, but it's 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 being persistent in doing this and then having somebody that's just great on the other end, you know, working, you know, working through. But, you know, especially with the more vulnerable people and the people, again, and I, I'm not trying to be ageist about this, but, well, here's a text. Jeff, Aurora is waiting for my 102-year-old mother to go online to schedule her vaccination. They say they have people waiting to help her on the Internet. What a joke. <laughs> you know, right. Mom, okay, here, you, you need to get you, you need to get on the Internet to, to do this. Let's talk to Brian in Germantown. Hi, Brian. You're on WTMJ. Hi, how are you doing? I'm well, thank you. Although I haven't tried to get my vaccination yet. I've, I've just been trying to help some friends of mine get their vaccinations. Yeah, I've been trying to help my dad. He's 78. Um, you know, I tried the, the Washington site and I, you know, the endless spinning, uh, no response on the website. Um, we did find out from a friend, if you're part of Aurora, if you have the mobile app, they're likely to contact you through that. Okay. Rather than by phone. But, you know, I'm a teacher, so at some point I'll get one. But, like, I go through Ascension, there's nothing there yet. It's a whole patchwork. There's nothing consistent. Right. And I'm an IT person, and I can't figure it out. (laughs) I I don't know what you're going to do for other people. Well, well, right. First of all, there's some people that don't have Internet access. That starts it off. And then there's other people that even if they've got Internet access, they're not what I would describe as Internet savvy. So what do you say to the to the 102 year old woman who's trying to get the vaccine? And, you know, it's like, well, you know, just just log on. They'll take care of it. And She's going log on. Come on. Give me a break. We've got to do a better job of this. We just do. You've seen better management from like. A concert vendor that <laughs> prioritizes tickets in that. I, I mean, I hate to say that, but that's no. what it feels like. No, no, thanks for calling. No, I mean, I, again, the, the the experience for people, and I don't mean to pick on Washington, Ozaki County. It's just I've heard a lot of horror stories about that because it's you. It it, it is. It's like. Okay, I'm a Jimmy Buffett fan. Jimmy Buffett tickets for Alpine Valley go on sale. Well, okay, if you're if you're not in that queue at whatever time that time is, they're, they're going to be gone in three minutes, and then you're going to be on the black market buying tickets from scalpers. Well, it, it's sort of the, the same thing. Okay, I'm I'm here. Uh, another friend, I, I kid you not, it was three o'clock in the morning. She got somebody told her that it, okay, if you go on to this particular website, if you're there at three o'clock in the morning, you, you'll be able to register. And she was. Who's going to get up at three? I mean, you got to be really motivated to get up at three o'clock in the morning. We have to make this easy for people, particularly the most vulnerable. Back with more in just a minute. 
Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 855-616-1620. Dale in Sheboygan. Hi, Dale. Hi. How difficult? Yeah. How, how difficult has it been to get a vaccine? The vaccinations. It, I haven't been able to schedule one yet. Um, I'm 67. I have COPD. I have diabetes. My wife has heart problems, and I've been trying about three or four different websites of different healthcare providers like Aurora and Provea, Ascension, and then Walgreens Pharmacy, and so far, no luck. Are you just not able to, do they not have it, or are you not able to schedule appointments, or, or what's what's going on? What When you say no luck? Well, on, the Prevea, on the Prevea website, I get to a point where I can schedule it, so I click on it, and then it says, uh, you'll have to try again later, there's no appointments available. <laughs> yeah. And I, I go on that about 10 times a day for the last week, I've been doing that. That's no no luck yet. <laughs> uh, well, it's and it and it, just, it just it shouldn't be this hard, Dale. I guess you know it, we and and I understand that there's a shortage of stuff, but we we collectively we had a long time to figure this out. We knew that there were vaccines coming, and I guess what's so appalling to me is that we we don't have a better, more reliable system to to make sure that the people who qualify for this are able to to get it without getting up at three in the morning or without having to depend on somebody else contacting them and saying, "Hey, go on this internet site." Right? We we had months to get this right, and we screwed it up badly. So, yeah. yeah. I have a sister-in-law who who did get to schedule hers and her husband, but she did it at 3 in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. And I'm not about to do that yet. I, I'll right. wait and keep trying during the day. Right. No, no thanks. Like like I say, and that's not a joke. I mean, my, my friend Patty was telling me that, that somebody told her that there, if you go to this website when it, it opens up for the day at 3 a.m., you can get in, and, and she was able to do it. Okay, well... Really? Okay, this, this, this is, we're talking about the United States of, of America. You would think that you would be able to figure that, to have a better system than, hey, you know, it's, it's three o'clock in the morning, get there and maybe you'll be lucky. Let's talk to Bob in Menominee Falls. Hi, Bob, you're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. Yeah, I'm 95. Uh, World War II vet and, uh, I can't get up. Anything. I'm signed up with Aurora and Walgreens, and uh, it's just frustrating. They say, "Don't call us; we'll call you." Uh, and and you and you just keep waiting for the phone to ring, and it never does, huh? Never does, Jeff. No. <sighs> Boy, Very I wish frustrating. Well, Bob, I wish we had talked yesterday because if I had known that, I would have tried. The lady that I was talking to when <laughs> when they had a couple, I would have tried to get you on that list as well. I swear I would have because I. But I, I understand how frustrating that this must be, and 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 you're trying, but it, it's just not working yeah, out. And no. there's people sixty years old getting them. I'm ninety five. There's people thirty three year old who are thirty three year old getting them, Bob. Yeah, Th- thanks. Sir. I'm I'm sorry. I, I guess and, and I guess. I guess it's a matter of luck or or you know having having somebody kids or grandkids or great grandkids or whatever who are tuned into this but you know to, to borrow the old cliche you know the Hillary Clinton line about it takes a village I, I am I am a firm believer now that at least for a while it, it, it does it does kind of take a village so if you have if you have family members 
who are eligible for the vaccine and, and haven't gotten it and are in this frustration thing, maybe maybe what you need to do, this is this is your act of, of random kindness, is to kind of take the bull by the you know what and, and start, you know, and start working on this because I, I think unfortunately it's going to be situations like Bob who's saying he's ninety five years old, he signed up on all these places, but you know, he's not hearing back from anybody. You, you, you maybe you just kind of need to be uh, aggressive in, in doing this because I just think there's a whole universe of people out there who are in the situation of some of the callers that we've talked to over the course of the last 20 minutes, people who, who desperately, who qualify for it, desperately need it, want it, are doing what they can to get it, but are getting absolutely nowhere. And, and maybe that's that, that situation. If you, I, if, if you get that note, saying, hey, um, we, we know where there's a couple of these vaccines that are available. Maybe what you do is you say, hey, I've got a 75-year-old or an 80- or 95-year-old friend who, who's been desperately trying to get it. Can, can you get him in? And maybe maybe even take that next step and drive drive him to the, the shot? Now, wouldn't that be a great thing as well? But this is this is an abject failure. We've had all this time to figure out how to distribute these vaccines, and and we're not doing a good job of it a, at all. And even if they have the availability, we're, we're not getting them to the people that need it, and that's unacceptable. Back with more in just a minute. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Just one final text on the, the, the difficulty in, in getting the vaccines. And you know, my frustration is that we've had months and months to, to work this out. And whether you want to blame the federal government and former President Trump or whether you want to blame Governor Tony Evers, and it is the states that decide on eligibility and things like that. My, I tell you the truth. I think there's a lot of blame to go around. Bottom line is you got to get this fixed. And here, here's, a, for example, Jeff, I'm 51. My mother-in-law is 80 with diabetes. I have been doing everything I can to try to get her in. Got her on lists everywhere I know of, and I am con- constantly looking for more. Aurora sends her a letter to scan the QV code and load it up to an Aurora account and upload the scan as a picture. She understands zero of that. She doesn't know what step one of having a smartphone is. Really? Aurora? <laughs> I, I mean, yeah. I, I mean, see, this this is the problem as the this is the problem and this is you know where where we need to go so um then i get some bizarre things from the vaccine well everybody needs the vaccines well yes everybody needs the vaccines but right now the priority is getting them to people who are qualified who are eligible for them in wisconsin and we're doing a lousy job of doing that period all right Political correctness takes it on the chin narrowly. We have talked about this story, uh, I think, once or twice over the last couple of weeks. And, and, it, and it's a small story, but it's indicative of the larger cancel culture that's out there. And the people who wake up looking for the ability to be perpetually offended on a daily basis. Um, out in Delafield, there is a, a, there's the Wisconsin Veterans Memorial Riverwalk, and I, I've, I've mentioned this once or twice over the last two weeks. It, it's it's really a, a cool thing, and I, I encourage people to go do it. It's along the it, it's along the river out there in Delafield, just off of the heart of downtown. And the, the Veterans Memorial Riverwalk, what it is, it's it's th- this walkway, and they have twelve, I think it's ten. 10 or 12, 10, I guess, separate monuments that are dedicated to various 
American conflicts. Like there's one for the Vietnam War. There's one for the um, the war in Iraq. There's one for World War II, the Korean War, et cetera, et cetera. All right, and, and they're all individual monuments. And over the different monuments, different flags fly, or they're decorated in different fashions. There is the Revolutionary War Monument, which is actually, I think it's the first one that you get to. And, and this has been there for for a long time, forever. And over the Revolutionary War Monument, what they have is they have two flags. They fly the American flag and they fly what's called the Gadsden flag. The Gadsden flag is a flag that dates back to 1775. And you, you perhaps have seen it. It's that, it's the yellow flag with the, like the rattlesnake on it. It says, don't tread on me. Very, very famous. And it, it again, it, it started being used in 1775 and it, it flies. It is a, a flag that was used during that time. And, you know, flies over that monument. Well, you, you had a handful of the politically correct out in Delafield who decided, we think that you should take this flag down, despite the fact that it's got his, its historical significance, that they thought it needed to go. Well, why did it need to go? Well, because at a handful... Going back about 10 years at the Tea Party, when you first started to see the, the Tea Party movement break, take in effect, you know, people would show up with American flags, but one of the other flags that they would show up with would be this, this yellow, the don't tread on me flag, the, the Gadsden flag. So it started to be used, uh, again, per, particularly by some conservative political forces. Uh, at some of the protests, including at the, the Capitol riot, um, there were a couple people who, who apparently had the Gadsden flag. All right. Um, there, there were also the American flags and all sorts of other flags as well. But the argument has been, the argument in Delafield that was advanced is that, well, you know, there, this flag has showed up at some of these, like, white supremacists, you know, movements and things like that. So we can't have it fly in Delafield, despite its historical significance, because, well, it, it's kind of being co-opted by some of these right-wing extremist groups. Now, my point is, that's historically ignorant. And secondly, just because some crazy group, whether it's right-wing or left-wing or whatever, tries to uh, appropriate a, a symbol, a flag, whatever... That's not a justification for saying that we we have to censor this and we can't allow this to be there. And this isn't the Confederate flag. I mean, it's not like you're talking about the flag that, you know, was the symbol of people trying to, you know, secede from the United States. That this is this was a flag that, you know, was used during the Revolutionary War and that American troops fought under. So anyhow, you, you had some of the, the politically correct out in Delafield who were trying to push the city council to take down the flag. Well, the, the good news is, um, by a narrow margin, by a bar- narrow margin, it did not go anywhere. By a vote of four to three... Um, they decided, the common council members decided to leave it, leave it there and representing that, that you know, that
they're, they're not going to even concede that this flag is offensive to people with normal sensibilities. Now, I understand there's always people out there that get offended by whatever, but by people of normal sensibilities, the conclusion, at least by the majority members of the board out there, was normal people aren't going to be offended by this. One of the um, uh, common council members said, the context of the flag is to present it as a representation in a war memorial on our river walk, which has lots of other war memorials and lots of other different symbols along the way. I don't see any reason to change it. Um, you know, so it, uh, the mayor, to his credit, weighs in too. He says, I think the flag should remain exactly the way it is. It was put up by veterans with privately raised funds. They decided what flags to be up there. It's been appropriate for the last 15 years. I don't see why it can't be appropriate for the next 50 years. So this segment is devoted as a shout out to the people in Delafield and several of you who I know heard this segment and called your representatives. Now, it was narrow because you have three people that wanted to give in to the forces of political correctness and say, well, we've got to take down this flag because somebody there might be offended by it. Or did you see that there was somebody who was wearing a T-shirt that had a representation of this flag on it, and, and they were at one of these extremist sort of rallies? Thankfully, in this case, common sense has won out. The flag will continue to be there, and the politically correct and the perpetually offended, well, they take it on the chin at least for a day out in Delafield. When we come back, is there really any reason why teachers can't be in the classroom? Stick around. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. All right. In Milwaukee yesterday, President Biden says, I I, want to get schools back in person five days a week for many of you. If you have kids that have been in private or parochial schools, that has been the situation. It's been in-person learning five days a week since, well, actually since last fall. For others, particularly some public schools, it's been a situation where maybe it's been a hybrid thing. The, the teachers have largely been back in school, but maybe it's been reduced classes, so your kids are there two days a week in person, and then they're, they're virtual for another two days, but, but the teachers are, are there. And then there's other schools, urban areas particularly, like Milwaukee Public School System, where they, 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 they're not in the classrooms. It's been all, all virtual. And the big impediment to getting kids back to school has been the fact that the teachers' unions have decided that they don't want to go back to school, despite the fact that, or at least they don't think it's safe to go back to school, despite the fact that Many school districts are back in person in a limited capacity or are back full-time and have been back full-time. You have, again, in some of the big school districts, the teachers' unions that's simply saying, we're, we're not going back because we, we don't think it's safe to do this. Now, the Center for Disease Control has already come out, and they've poo-pooed that. They say, look, there's, we, we, you know, we think it's safe for the kids to be back in school. We think it's safe for in-person learning to resume. Now you have to you have to space out the classes. Maybe you have to, you know, you have to put on the masks and all those sorts of things. But yeah, I mean science and I thought we're all about following science. Science says it's safe to go back to school. And yet you have teachers in some of the urban school districts who are 
declining to do that. Story in the Wall Street Journal. School reopening pits parents against teacher. Is there a word beyond frustrating? Nearly a year into the pandemic, the debate over sending students back to class reaches a fever pitch. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. The world is starting to reopen. Businesses are starting to reopen. The number of COVID cases is down. The number of people who are vaccinated is up. The CDC says it's okay, it's safe to go back to schools. We've looked at the data from the schools that are open, and, you know, we're we're not finding problems. And to the extent that there is a problem, okay, then you can deal with it at the time. 855-616-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Is there any reason not to resume in-person learning? My answer is no, There, there, there's not. And the fact that you have some powerful teachers unions who've decided that they're going to reject the science, reject the experience of other school districts all across the country, to me that is absolutely unacceptable. If it's all about the kids, and we all agree that remote learning is unacceptable, you know, what, what is it going to take to get teachers at some of these districts to willing, to willing to go back and do their jobs? 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And, and this, no, this isn't teacher bashing. That's not the point. This is, hey, teachers, you do a valuable job. You need to get back in the classrooms and start doing that job. And if the CDC says you can do it safely, if the experience in other school districts say that you can do it safely, why aren't we resuming in-person learning. 855-616-1620. Even the President of the United States thinks it's a good idea. We discuss in a moment. 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's start with Peter calling us from Illinois. Hi, Peter. Hi, how are you? I'm well, thank you. What do you think? Well, as I told the screener, I am a physician. I'm actually a pediatrician. And I have two school-age kids, one in high school, one in grade school. They both go to parochial school, so they've been in school uh, the whole time. I think the science absolutely supports uh, kids being in school. Um, You know, in in here in the the Archdiocese of Chicago, we have 164 Catholic schools all going live, all going Mm full-time, with virtually no problems. And, um, And I think it's really a an issue where the unions are kind of uh, holding back and not letting our kids go and get appropriately educated. Well, yeah, and then you you look at at what this is doing, especially in some of these urban school districts, Chicago, Milwaukee, for example, where it is a struggle to teach the kids anyhow under the best of circumstances. And now, for example, in Milwaukee, MPS has been closed since sometime last March. My guess is, despite some lip service, they're probably not going to reopen until the fall. And and even then, I don't know that they're going to be there in anything other than a hybrid thing. You've got kids that have lost kids that could at least afford to lose a year and a half of their educational life has lost a year and a half of their educational life. No, it's true. I mean, we're all about we're all about equity these days, and yet we are creating a, such a huge gap yep. that's going to reverberate for years and years. No, uh, because the kids who need it most aren't safe. They're not getting fed, and they're not getting taught. Yeah. No. I, thanks to call, doctor. I, I I can't disagree with you. I I can't agree with you more. It, it, it's one of these situations. Again, look, I. I was the one arguing for schools to open up in the fall. 
And the question at the time was, okay, some schools are going to, some schools aren't. Let's see what happens. Well, we have the experience. We, we have the experience. And the reality is that, as you were saying, most of the schools that have opened have opened with very, very little problem. Now, I'm not saying that there haven't been instances where, okay, there, there's been some kid that got COVID or an adult that got COVID and they had to you know, close down the school or, or change things for a couple of days. But by and large, this has gone on without a problem. Jeff, here's some text. There's absolutely no reason why school can't resume with safe procedures in place. This has never been about science. Rather, it's a fight for power and control that is coming at the expense of our youth. Jeff, West Bend School District has been in school since the beginning of September without any problems. K-4 through high school. If parents are uncomfortable, virtual is available. Um, Jeff, my son has been full-time, in-person, five days a week, all year. Thank God for private schools that don't have this political foolishness going on. Open them up. And, and by the way, I understand that, that you might need to make individual accommodations. So let's, let's talk about teachers. Here, here's the reality. My guess is the majority of teachers are not in the high-risk category for, for bad results from COVID. Um, that, that's my guess, that that's the majority of, of them. And so the question would be, if you have, for example, you have a 62-year-old teacher not yet eligible for the vaccines with a litany of health problems, all right, well, maybe you need to make a special accommodation. Okay, I, I understand that. And I think you, the schools have to be flexible to that. But you've got some 33-year-old you know, teacher with no underlying health consequences or no underlying health issues. All right, you've got all sorts of other people that are back at work. Why can't can't that 33-year-old teacher be back at work? Is that too much to ask for? Let's talk to, let's see, John in New Berlin. John, you're on WTMJ. John? Going once, going twice. Sherry in Madison. Sherry, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Sherry. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Sure. Uh, I just wanted to relate. Uh, I was on the phone last night talking to a classmate of mine from a Ph.D. course in Milwaukee, and she's a administrator in a western suburb that's been in school since last fall. Um, it's a complicated issue, and, um, you know, she actually got exposed and got uh, fairly sick last year, her entire family, husband and three kids, and uh, recovered, went back in the classroom, and uh, this week was just notified, uh, I think just yesterday, maybe Monday, that one of the students had tested positive, and mm-hmm. so now she's in, in quarantine for 14 days. Mm-hmm. So I don't think you can broad brush it, but there are some, some harmful effects out there that uh, are occurring and aren't being talked about, and I just wanted to offer that. Well, Sherry, I appreciate it. And look, and look and I, 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 under, I understand I'm not downplaying the issue of COVID, but again, statistic, and again, I, I don't know where, whether your friend got it, was exposed to it in the classroom or, or got it from some other sort of situation. And, and, but there are people that are catching COVID all the time. They're getting exposed to that. 
All I know is the science says that it, it's not particularly risky to be in the classroom settings. And the evidence from all these schools that have been open in person demonstrates that. Now, and again, if, if you have a, a breakout, I, I understand that you're going to have to close it down. The, the, the bank I go to has been closed three times over the course of the last seven months because, I don't know, there, there was some COVID exposure or something like that. So when that happens, if it happens, you, you end up dealing with it. And I understand it's complicated, but if the CDC says it's okay and we're supposed to follow the science and we all agree it's the way to go why aren't we back in classes this is jeff wagner live from the annex wealth management studios at historic radio city this is the jeff wagner show and now wtmj's jeff wagner Hmm, this is a surprise. During during the, the social justice protests around here during the summer, there were a handful of, of people who kind of decided to, to sort of take over the protests, and, and they were the organizers, and they were the ones that you heard on the radio all the time or or saw on television all the time. They were the, 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 the people that, that took charge of that. And, and perhaps two of the, the most well-known ones were Frank Nitty and Khalil Coleman, um, who kind of sort of teamed up together, and they were the, the organizers. Well, uh, here's the story in the Journal Sentinel. Milwaukee activist Khalil Coleman and two others arrested in Kentucky and charged with robbery. Milwaukee activist Khalil Coleman was arrested in Kentucky on Monday on charges of second-degree robbery and second-degree unlawful transaction with a minor. I don't even know what that is. Um, Coleman was one of three arrested, including a minor um, in what Ellesmere, Kentucky. According to the police chief, the group allegedly attempted to rob a drug house. They went to a drug house to rob the drug house, the police chief said. One of the occupants went up to the drug house, had a Glock handgun with a 50-round magazine drum. When it, well, that, those are, wow. Um, when it didn't work, they hurried up and left the scene. Now, I can understand that. You go to rob the drug house, you've got this cannon, and the cannon does not work. At which point in time, okay, you, well, he says they hurried up and left the scene, jumped in a white vehicle, and left. As they were leaving, Meyer, that's the police chief, said the group got boxed in by a snowplow, darn snowplows, and were stopped by police. Meyer said two handguns and materials suspected to be heroin and marijuana were found in the car. The investigation is ongoing. Coleman is being held in Kenton County Jail on $10,000 bond. He's scheduled to appear in court on February 25th. During the summer, Coleman was one of the main organizers for marches against police brutality after George Floyd was killed by a police officer in Minneapolis. Okay, so... The weather is not conducive to social protests, so we go down to Kentucky and try to knock over a drug house. Huh. I'm not sure how that works out as a plan. All right. Donald Trump refuses to go away. Now, on the heels of his acquittal in the Senate trial, what, last last Saturday, one of the big questions has been what what role, if any, is the president, former president, going to play moving forward? Well, yesterday he gave an indication of that by launching, putting out a statement that was one of the classic Donald Trump attacks, this time directed at the Senate 
the Republican Senate leader Mitch McConnell, who over the years um, carried a lot of water for President Trump. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I'll tell you in just a second what Trump said, but here's the bottom line. He's not in office anymore. He's not going to be in office moving forward. I understand he has axes to grind. I understand that the fact that he lost the election weighs on him. But moving forward, launching these childish attacks on Republican leaders, I I think, does nothing to help him. It does nothing to help the Republican Party. And the sooner he knocks it off or people stop paying attention, the better. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Former, here's the way the Washington Post reports it. Former President Donald Trump lashed out at Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell on Tuesday for a lack of political insight, wisdom, skill, and personality. Um, Trump's uh, statement, um, he goes after, Mitch is a dour, sullen, and unsmiling political hack. And if Republican senators are going to stay with him, they will not win again, Trump said in a statement released by the Save America PAC. He will never do what needs to be done. He will never do what is right for the country. Um, then, you know, the, this statement included what they describe, what the Washington Post describes as a particularly nasty and unfounded personal dig, accusing McConnell of being soft on China because of his family's substantial Chinese business holdings. And that's a reference to McConnell's wife, Elaine Chow, who was Trump's transportation secretary until she resigned. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Trump has to knock it off. And if Trump doesn't knock it off, I think conservatives just need to tune him out. They need to recognize that the guy's on his own personal ego trip vendetta. It's this scorched earth philosophy. And maybe the realization is that that he's not going to get elected again. So his attempt is to try to take everybody out that he possibly can. And if that's the motivation and if that's what he's doing, then people need to just Tune him out. Am I right or wrong? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. Attacking guys like Mitch McConnell does nothing. It doesn't help Trump. It doesn't help Republicans. It doesn't help McConnell. And if this is the way he is going to behave in his post-presidency, the sooner people stop paying attention to him, it seems to me, the better. 855-616-1620. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line we discuss in a moment. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 855-616-1620. Every 15 minutes, a baby is born with a congenital heart defect. All this month, please join our very own Greg Matzik as he teams up with the Children's Heart Foundation to help advance the diagnosis, the treatment, and prevention of congenital heart defects. To find out how you can help, go to WTMJ.com or text the word CARES to the Acunet Mortgage Talk text line at 855-616-1620. WTMJ CARES, powered by Watry Industries and Premier Aluminum and sponsored by Professional Construction, Inc. All right, look, if you are a Democrat... You are just elated 
today, not because, you know, President Biden was in Milwaukee, not because he's rolling out this this plan to, you know, spend trillions of dollars, but rather because the, the Republican infighting doesn't appear to be going anywhere. Uh, Donald Trump, who is not going quietly into the good night, I guess, list, sends out this lengthy statement about Mitch McConnell. Now, it is true that Mitch McConnell, who did not vote to convict the president during the impeachment trial, but nevertheless criticized him, saying what I, I think it was very clear that the, the president's behavior after the election was not good. And that, you know, whether it was an impeachable offense or not, you know, the president standing by for hours and hours while the Capitol riots, insurrection, whatever you want to call it, was occurring, was just unacceptable. So, you know, President Trump, he, he gets his undies in a bundle over that. So he now sends out this blasting thing saying, oh, this is terrible. And anybody that follows McConnell is going to lose and we're going to be out there going after him. Really? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's start with Kate in McGuanago. Kate, you're on WTMJ. Yes, thanks for taking my call. Um, when I heard about what what our ex-president Trump did today regarding Mitch McConnell, it, it really saddened me. It's just an, He's extending his form of bullying and tearing people down. Uh, to make himself feel better. Um, but right away when you brought this up, I thought about the scene in The Wizard of Oz when Dorothy finally made it <laughs> to see the great wizard. And all sorts of noise was going on behind the curtain, and she was advised not to pay any attention. Right, to the man to behind the curtain. Yeah. That's right. And that's exactly how I feel about Trump and his tweets and all the bad karma he's trying to spread out there. Right. And it's just, you know, it's, it's, the, the, the question is, where did, what does he think this gains him? See, and that, that's the frustrating thing. If he's, if he's planning to make a political comeback, well, splitting, you know, the, the Republican Party do, doesn't help him do that. If he's planning to be a political force, you know, going off and, and tackling people who were allies of his, that doesn't help him. I, I just, I, you almost get the idea that it's just you wake up one morning and you're angry about something and then you, you just kind of go off on it. That same sort of chaos theory that we saw for, you know, maybe the last four years. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's it's really a sad scenario. Um, it, I, I, I almost feel embarrassed for him because I just think, well, you know, what are you doing? What are you thinking? Well, right, um, I right. certainly don't feel bad for him, but I... No, what, what's it, the end game? No. no, no, thanks. See, I, I'm, see, that's, when I look at this stuff, I, I always try to think, what is the end game? You know, there's there, there's some people who just kind of lash out. And it's just different personality types that, you know, they're, they're incredibly reactive. They cannot help themselves. So, you know, something happens, they get a wild hair up a certain part of their anatomy, and then they just, they just got to lash out. There are other people that that play what I would describe as the long game, that, that understand, that, that have like a goal in sight. And it's like, all right, I, I have this goal. How do I get to that goal? You know, what, what, 
what do I want to accomplish and and what can I do today that moves moves me down the field, you know, closer to that goal? And I guess for the life of me, you know, going on and, and launching attacks like this and anybody that follows Mitch McConnell is never going to get elected and I'm going to try to defeat him. It, it's just you, you almost want to say, what are you trying to accomplish, and h- how much power do you think you really have? John on the north side. John, you're on WTMJ. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Hi, John. Okay. Uh, hi, buddy. Uh, I, I, Trump had his reign. Now, we really don't want to hear, I'm like uh, President Biden said last night, you know, let's worry about the, the, the economy now, and let's worry about the pandemic we ain't got time to be listening to Trump. Just, just you know, let's let's listen to the people that's in power now. He's not, he's not in any power. Leave Mitch McConnell alone. Well, well, but especially if if we're going to go off and say, okay, if the thing is he didn't back me up enough when I was trying to peddle this 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 theory that the election was stolen from me, that that's that's what you're going to use. I mean, you got to get over it at some point in time, like you say, and let's let let us let us move on. Let's recognize that you know if you're Donald Trump and and you have a you want to return to power maybe what you should be doing is figuring out how to you know go after the other the opposing party as opposed to republicans what do you think you're going to gain man it's it's not going to go anywhere yeah he's out of power and i just think that uh, we shouldn't be listening to him now uh-huh. we just really shouldn't i mean you know if we don't want things to get back the way they, they were or what have you then you know uh, trump did all he can do and now he can't do anymore so let's just Leave it like that and, 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 uh, and let, uh, President Biden handle and let Miss McConnell, the ones right. that's in power now, let them do their thing. Right, exactly. Thanks for calling and be part of the, the loyal opposition. One of our texters, thanks for calling, John. I do appreciate you listening. Uh, it says Trump has been nothing other than a loose cannon. And, and that's, that, that is, and look, and I, and I understand whenever I, I say anything, whenever I say anything positive about former President Trump, I, I get a ton of texts, oh, you're nothing but a right-wing hack. And whenever I say stuff that's critical of him, I get the text say, go work for MSNBC, and, and this is, are, is your liberal management forcing you to say this? And I don't know where that whole liberal management stuff comes from. That's, it's just kind of, it, but it, it's like this, this land that people inhabit. No, I, I mean, President Trump, Donald Trump, He's always been somewhat of a loose cannon, and I, I just think since he's left office, it doesn't sound like he, that that cannon is getting tied down at all, and it's kind of like rolling around the deck, and sometimes that cannon goes off and it, it shoots starboard, and sometimes it goes off and it shoots to the port, and then other times it just goes off and shoots into the into the deck of the ship, and it is, it's kind of like this loose cannon rolling around, but I'm like, oh, okay, is this what we're going to do? We're going to spend the next... I don't know, two years trying to gain power back or influence back by by going after Republican leaders who did not do as much as you think they should have done to try to keep you in power. Well, if that's the case, I will tell you who the winner is. And it's real clear the winner of of that lottery is going to be whoever it is that's running against the various Republicans. And, and where where does that get you back with more in just a minute? This is Jeff Wagner. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Well, this is interesting, and I, I don't need to—I don't mean to poo-poo it, but as long as we're talking about the world of politics, now I am always—I am already on record, and I understand that 
some of my Republican friends don't like hear me hearing saying this, but um, you know, Ron Johnson, we talked about this yesterday, Ron Johnson said that he was going to term limit himself. He was not going to run for a third term. He has not announced whether he's going to run or not. My, my belief is that I, I think he would be well advised to do what he said he was going to do and just, you know, go back to Oshkosh after, after 12 years and just declare victory and, and, and move on. Now, I don't know if he's going to do that or not, but I think he would be well advised because I think 2022 is going to be difficult. It's going to be a difficult election if he chooses to run again. He's got a target on his back from the national media some pe- and the local media. I mean, clearly, but like I say, just, just because you're paranoid doesn't mean people aren't out to get you. And, and clearly, he, he is the target of things like that. And I think it's going to be a difficult election campaign should he choose to run. And so I'm, I'm hoping he decides that he's going to pack it in and then clear the way for, you know, other Republican candidates to emerge. Well, on the Democrat side, you've got a couple people that have already emerged, the county executive from uh, Appleton. And then yesterday, 33-year-old Bucks executive Alex Lasry, who is the son of the Bucks owner, probably best known for skipping in line to get his COVID vaccination ahead of everybody else um, when the opportunity presented itself. But um, he's announced that, that he is going to make his, his run for the Senate. Now, again, he's 33 years old. His big claim to fame is his father is extremely wealthy. And, um, you know, his, his family is, you know, one of the principal owners for the, the Bucks. And he's been in Milwaukee for yeah, six or seven years. So at the age of 33, he wants to be the United States senator. Now, in many situations, you just kind of you blow this off and you say, there's no way this can happen, will happen, because if he got elected, he would probably be the single most unqualified person you know, ever elected to a Senate seat from, from Wisconsin based on experience and things like that. But at the same time, um, you, you cannot discount the fact of, of celebrity. And Alex Lazary is, to an extent, he is a... He is a celebrity. He has an unlimited supply of money. And, you know, he's into the race early, so you know there's going to be a lot of TV ads and things like that. You know he's probably going to try to scare off other Democrats who might be willing to run. And then if he gets to the general election, I mean, who, who knows what ends up happening, especially, you know, if, if Ron Johnson's in the race where you have an incumbent and the election isn't about whether or not the challenger, Alex Lazary, is qualified, because the answer is probably going to be clearly no, it's going to be, you know, what, what about the record of the incumbent, which is one of the reasons why I think if it's a clean slate, it might be a different dynamic. But Milwaukee Bucks executive Alex Lazary, at the age of 33, says that uh, he wants to be the next senator from the state of Wisconsin. My only comment is, hang on, because I think the next couple years are going to be a very, very bumpy ride. Meanwhile, people wait to see what Senator Ron Johnson does. Will he run again? I think he needs to make a decision soon. And if he decides he's not going to run again, that's fine. Clear the decks and allow a new Republican challenger to emerge. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Melissa Barkley and I have decided we both have winter fatigue. How about you, Groot? You got winter fatigue? Producing the show today. Yeah, I got sick of it once I couldn't shovel anymore. I just, I can't do it. Yeah, it, it, and it, I mean, there, there, there's no choice and stuff, but it's, I, I, I was looking at one of the TV new ca- newscasts today, and they were saying that the the amount of snow on the ground at the airport, which is kind of how they measure it, um, it's 
you, you got to go about 20 years to have this much snow on on the ground and then the forecast is more coming and it's it just it's been it's just the relentless stuff and we kind of talked about it yesterday and there's just so many different aspects of winter and i understand if you live in wisconsin this is what you deal with but it doesn't mean that you have to like it all right if you were in high school oh uh, anytime maybe 10 years ago 15 years ago 20 years ago or, or longer and, and in as part of Probably your high school English course at some point in time, maybe your freshman year, maybe your sophomore year, maybe your junior year. Chances are that one of the things that was required reading is you you studied Shakespeare. Now, maybe maybe it was Macbeth. The Scottish play, maybe it was Romeo and Juliet, you know, either, you know, Merchant of Venice, you, you name it. There, there's this, this whole litany of, of Shakespeare stuff. But my guess is that you, you probably studied it at some point in, in time. And if you're like me, you probably, I don't know, maybe struggled a little bit with it because of, of the language and things like that. But, you know, you, you had, but Shakespeare, if you look at the underlying stories, the, the themes, that are there, whether it's Macbeth or whether it's King Lear or whether it's Romeo and Juliet. These are universal themes that have been replayed time and time again as themes for books and for movies and for television shows and things like that. These are these are universal themes that are are out there. Now, the flip side of Shakespeare is, of course, he was an old white guy. Uh, the plays. Um, were written from a very, very male perspective. You know, if you've ever seen, you know, some of the, you know, movies at, at the time uh, that had been made about Shakespeare's time, you know, that, that women weren't even able to, weren't even allowed to perform on the stages. So, I mean, it's a very male-centric oftentimes. Many of the stories are very, very male-centric, and there's no question about that. I bring this up because... Over the last couple of days, I've been reading several stories with a headline in one of the stories that I'm looking at from Monday. Woke teachers want Shakespeare cut from the curriculum. This is, quote, this is about white supremacy, end quote. And, you know, it's a story about how various teachers are pushing to have Shakespeare removed from the classrooms, not taught in the classrooms, because, again, Shakespeare was a product of his times. And if, if you look at his time in Britain, you know, um, his positions on race and sexuality and gender and class, they were, they were reflective of, of the time. And so you have this kind of new breed of teachers that's out there that views Shakespeare. Well, one of the things that I'm looking at in the story is it's about white supremacy and colonization. And they believe that Shakespeare should be banished from the curriculum entirely. All right, 855-616-1620. That is the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We we deal with this a lot as, as we look at what would be classics. And a lot of times when we've talked about this, we've talked about like classic American literature, to, to Kill a Mockingbird and things like that, or, or Mark Twain, 
those sorts of things. And we've looked at the push to try to get those out of the classrooms. We shouldn't be teaching them because, all right, they, they reflect a perspective of a particular point of time. And some of the things are, are timeless and some of the other stuff might be offensive or is, in fact, offensive by our standards now. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. How far do we carry that? And again, for for everybody who, like I say, went through high school, my guess is at some point in time or another, you were exposed to the works of Shakespeare. Have we reached a point in 2021 where we should no longer be teaching that? I think it would be a shame, but let's discuss. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right. Woke teachers are saying Shakespeare's got to go. What do you think? We discuss in a moment. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. The movie I was trying to think of, Shakespeare in Love, which is about 20 years old now, 1998, won seven Oscars, um, including Best Picture. Gwyneth Paltrow won Best um, Actress. Uh, Judy Dench won Best Supporting Actress. It, it was just, it's it's actually a, a great movie, and it's one of those that you think, okay, Shakespeare in Love, you know, who wants to watch that? But it, it, it was just, it was a tremendous movie, and I think also gave some insight as to what, what, what times were like in Victorian England. But anyhow, look, Shakespeare's stories are timeless. And I understand sometimes the language is a little bit difficult to get your, you know, your, your head around and things like that. But, you know, you have Shakespeare festivals that all are all over the country. People ap- appreciate the beauty of the stories and the compelling storytelling. And I just think it would be nothing short of a tragedy if we give in to all this political correctness and how we have to say, well, you know, they were written from the perspective of a of a 17th century, you know, white male, and they reflected a lot of the mores of the time, so we can't teach those in school anymore. Really? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's start with Chris in New Berlin. Chris, good afternoon. Hey, good afternoon. I am one of your many reasonable listeners, and I'd like to throw some stuff out. Shakespeare is a fantastic writer, should absolutely be kept in the curriculum, but certain themes, Romeo and Juliet, uh, Forbidden Love, get that that's great but you've got taming of the shrew the theme is a female with an opinion speaks up and we got whip her into shape because that's not cool at all that's the entire theme it's not even subtext we're talking about the merchant of venice it's a jewish banker that gets kicked around shylock he makes a loan they didn't want to borrow from him but they had to mm-hmm. any of three ships come in they can cover it all three ships sink and he's literally owed a pound of flesh from the person that he wants revenge on because they've been kicking him around he gets screwed at the end, and people are applauding because mm-hmm. how dare he want to, I don't know, hold up to the terms of a contract because he's Jewish. Mm-hmm. So, again, I, Shakespeare's a fantastic writer, but some of these have to have a discussion afterwards of current context and social norms. Oh. What if she has an opinion? Oh, like that. oh, absolutely. And I, I have no issue with that at all, Chris. It's, it's sort of like, like, for example, the people that want to ban Huckleberry Finn or Tom Sawyer. And, and, and my argument is, no, you don't, these, these are classic works of American literature. And I, and I have no problem with like offering, offering the context, you know, of, of the times they were written or, or, or To Kill a Mockingbird. Yeah. I mean, you know, To Kill a Mockingbird is set in, you know, the, the Jim Crow South in what, the 1930s. Yeah. You, you, you teach the thing and then you, to your point, you explain the, the product of the times, and and you right. I, I have no issue at all with putting it in context. Yeah, 
Oh no, thanks for calling. I, I, great, and again, and right, and right, you've got the Romeo and Juliet, the forgive, forbidden love sort of situation. Um, you know, King Lear, which is, and you know, Macbeth, the, this whole stories of revenge and things like that. I mean, it, it, one of the great things to me about Shakespeare is the timelessness of the the various stories. And by the way, it's interesting. We started off with with Taming of the Shrew because you know he's, he's absolutely right. Chris is absolutely right that that's the the, the subtext of the story, not even the subtext, it is. But, I mean, Taming of the Shrew, when I was making the point about how the Shakespeare stories have been retold time after time, Taming of the Shrew is My Fair Lady. I mean, that's, that, that's, that, that's My Fair Lady, you know, m- you know, My Fair Lady is Taming of the Shrew, you know, modernized. And it's, um, again, you, you put it in context and, and things evolve. So I've got no trouble with that. But I'm just saying, we can't, we can't not teach this because it's not woke. Uh, let's talk to Rome in Milwaukee. You're in WTMJ. Hello. Rome? Hello? Okay, sorry, I lost you there. 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. And just a quick reminder, if you call in, there, we have this seven-second delay. I think sometimes that happens, and if you... Don't turn off your radio or turn down your radio. You end up getting confused. Um, Jeff, I think it's all part of a far-left liberal agenda to clean up uh, history of art, literature, anything that doesn't fit with the agenda now. Um, Let's see. Jeff, Shakespeare might not have even written all the stories. I understand. I think there's a Shakespeare. I understand that there is a, a different story that's out there. Jeff, I loved going to the outdoor Shakespeare Theater in Spring Green. Jeff, if we allow everything to be canceled out, future generations will only have a limited bit of one-sided knowledge to base decisions on. Um, to quote a T-shirt I have, dogs make me happy. People give me a headache. <laughs> I kind of like that. Dogs make me happy. People give me a headache. Um, Jeff, if Shakespeare is banned, then we can only teach our children stories that were written by, you know, who? Shouldn't schools show all sides and then show how and way some sides are better than other sides and fall short, etc.? Yeah, I, again, I think that's the key. If, if you want to offer stuff, you want to offer it in context. Remember when there was the controversy not that long ago? One of the stations said that they weren't going to show Gone with the Wind anymore because Gone with the Wind presents a romanticized version of the pre-Civil War South. And, and, and yes, it, it did. But, of course, the, the answer isn't don't show Gone with the Wind. The answer is, you know, offer the context to, to Gone with the Wind and, and use it perhaps as a teachable moment. And I think that's what a lot of the, the TV stations have decided to do, that you know, we're not going to we're not going to take it off, but yeah, we'll 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 have a fifteen minute discussion afterwards that will air that people can watch, and we'll try to offer some context on the book. Um, Jeff, let's just burn all the history books because someone could get insulted. Um, I think we need to teach people, um, Jeff. The problem is intellectual diversity is more and more unwelcome. Yeah, I I think that there is an element of that. It's the intellectual diversity. And yeah, look, and by the way, I, I have no problem with, if you're developing, for example, a high school curriculum, I have no problem with teaching a, a diverse curriculum and, and saying, okay, maybe maybe we don't have to spend all our time teaching you know, the works of William Shakespeare, but it would be a sin not to teach Shakespeare. At the same time, yeah, you, you can assign other books as well with a different sort of perspective. Intellectual diversity, I think, is a key. All right, let's talk to... Helen in Glendale. Helen, you're in WTMJ. Good afternoon. 
Hi, Jeff. You uh, mentioned some of the point, points I was going to bring up. I guess I take Romeo and Juliet, Juliet for example. You, there's there's two ways of doing it with fiction and with with uh, nonfiction. Uh, you could write a story about Romeo and Juliet. You know, these were two young teenagers who fell in love. Da 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 da. da. Or you could put the whole story into a drama as Shakespeare was so willing to do and I think that people learn more from examples and and mm -hmm. uh, pictures than I think they do from you know like a news story yeah oh absolutely no it right you right it if if you know these if it weren't if they were not plays if instead they were just a news story that the Romeo and Juliet would have disappeared you know 300 plus years ago but because it, it's that play and it becomes movies and all it, it takes on a life of its own and then it gets adapted and adapted and adapted in all sorts of different forms yeah it's it's a it's a it's a timeless story and I think that, you know, there's just many different ways to replay a timeless story. And I think, you know, that's what West Side Story was about. Yeah, right. You know, for people no, who didn't want to yeah. read Shakespeare, they could go see West Side Story. And that was some, somewhat similar. No, that, that that's a great, you're exactly right. West Side Story was an updated version of, of Romeo and Juliet. Okay, what was your favorite Shakespeare play, Helen? Oh, my favorite Shakespeare play was uh, Macbeth. Yeah, I, yes, yeah. The, the Scottish play. We're not supposed to say Macbeth. We're supposed yes. to call it the Scottish play. Yes, no, thank, thanks to oh, call. I, I, um, yeah, the Scottish play. I, um, I have done this before, and I understand that, I, you know, I, I, you, you, for all you know, I might have a script here, and I might be reading it, but I, hand to the air, for, for some reason, there are things that stick in my mind, and she mentioned Macbeth. I, I, I must have been, in a play, I don't know. I don't remember being in a Macbeth play, but for some reason, I mean, when, whenever people say, "Can you do a Shakespeare quotation?" to me, and and my producer can verify this. I am not looking at anything. This is just. I, I mean, I, I've always remembered tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow creeps in this petty pace from day to day to the last syllable of recorded time, and all our yesterdays are lighted fools the way to dusty deaths. Out, out, brief candle. Life's but a walking shadow, a poor player who struts and frets his hour upon the stage and then is heard no more. A tale told by an idiot, full of sound and fury, yet signifying nothing. That's Macbeth. Now, Gru, I was not, I, I, for some reason, that is in my head. I Right? Yeah, that was straight from memory. <laughs> it's I, I have trouble remembering where I'm supposed to be, you know, two days from now. I have trouble remembering, you know, what I did on the program yesterday. But I, I can I can still do huge chunks of of Macbeth. I can do King Lear as well, but we'll we'll save that for another day. This is Jeff Wagner. No, no more Shakespeare. And a couple of people in the text line. Oh, can can you do more of that stuff? No, I don't. Just you, you, you always want to want to leave people. You know, want to leave people like wanting more. But yeah, I, I can I can do chunks of Shakespeare. There's there's I don't know why I can do chunks of Shakespeare because I wasn't in theater when I was in high school and stuff like that. But I can remember reading it, and there were just there were passages that kind of caught my attention, and that one from Macbeth is particularly one. I um I do. I want to wrap up the hour just just by mentioning the passing of Rush Limbaugh, who, if you haven't heard, passed away. Um, he'd been for the last year involved in a in a fight um, with with advanced lung cancer. Passed away, I believe, today or yesterday. At the, they announced it today at at the age of of seventy. Um, you know, clearly for for anybody who works in spoken word radio. 
um, over the course of the last you know 30 plus years. I mean, Rush Limbaugh was was clearly a trailblazer. There were, um, he, you know, there were for most of the time, for all the time that I, I think I've been at WTMJ. You know, I, I, there was a competitor and and. I did very well and managed, manufactured a career, and, and Rush Limbaugh did well, and, and that was that was great. Ru- the, there's so many people who were inspired to go into radio by by Rush Limbaugh. The problem that a lot of hosts made is they tried to imitate Rush Limbaugh. They tried to be Rush Limbaugh, and, and that inevitably failed because there's really kind of like only one Rush Limbaugh. He was he was just. Uh, an entertainer and he was a conservative thinker and um i understand he riled some people up and he just you know infuriated some people and he motivated some people but he was really a one-of-a-kind talent and 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 even though i think a lot of talk radio hosts maybe you know owe owe their starts to rush limbaugh in that he he made this a viable uh, a viable business for am radio the, the ones who have succeeded over the years, while appreciating that the talent and the skills of, of Limbaugh were actually able to actually move on and, and not just be the Rush Limbaugh clones. The people who decided they wanted to be just the Rush Limbaugh clones, I think inevitably fail because you, you, you can't duplicate Rush. And, and the bottom line is love him, hate him. He was a huge presence in the media and in American politics for the last 30 years, passes away at the age of 70. He will unquestionably be missed. No question about it. Rush Limbaugh, sail on. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. I don't think he originated it. But former President Lyndon Johnson had this saying, and it went something like, don't pee down my back and tell me it's raining. And, and there, there's been variations of that o- over the years, but I, I think it, it's generally good advice. And it's kind of the reaction I have to this story that's out there. Nancy Pelosi says there will be a 9-11 commission-style panel to examine the January 6th Capitol riot. And the story that goes on is that they, they want Congress wants to and this is being led by the Democrats in the House of Representatives, that they, they, they want to create a commission. They want to give the commission broad-ranging subpoena power, and they want to then give this commission broad-ranging subpoena power, a ton of money, no time limits, and allow them to investigate and report on the attack at the the Capitol. And the justification is, well, we, we think that, you know, we, we need to go ahead and, and find out how this happened. All right. Well, OK, let, let's understand what's going on here. This we know what it was that happened. Right. You, you had a bunch of these fringe groups that in were part of the mob that descended on on D.C., and they got worked up, and they decided to storm Capitol, and they did all the things that they did, and they deserved to be prosecuted to the full extent of, of the law. But by forming a commission, let us understand, and giving the commission subpoena power, let us understand what this is. This is an effort to further politicize what ended up happening on January 6th. And this is an example, an effort to try to, 
I think, keep the anti-Trump stuff uh, alive. Here, we're going to have this commission, and we're going to subpoena all these people, and we're going to ask them the question, gee, why was it that you came to Washington? Well, I came to Washington because I thought the election was stolen, and I thought the president uh, asked me to, to fight. O- okay, we, we know all that stuff. I guess here's my question. Before we spend millions of dollars, and I understand the 9-11 Commission, the 9-11 Commission was tasked at figuring out how did you get these terrorists in the country? How were they able to stay in the country? How were they able to get access to aircraft? What was their training? And, you know, is there a likelihood that this could, in fact, happen again? Right? I, I get all that. I understand that. The nine... The 9-11 Commission, I think it, it clearly you know, had a, a, a validity to it. My question is this. Do we need a 9-11-style, commission-style panel to examine what happened on January? Or, or, or don't we really know what happened? Isn't it very apparent what happened? And isn't it going to be more apparent to the extent that there are ongoing questions? Isn't that going to play out in the criminal trials of all the people? I mean, last I checked, you had dozens and dozens of people who had been charged with crimes. It seems to me that, you know, the term political theater was thrown around a lot during the impeachment proceedings. It seems to me that this spending millions of dollars on on a panel, it's really it's more political theater than anything else. And this idea is, well, we we want to find out what happened. Well, again, we we know what it was that, that happened. And I guess you can draw your own conclusions. You know, is Donald Trump responsible for this because of the remarks he made? And if prosecutors conclude that that's the case, well, then they should charge him criminally. That that's fine if they think he committed a crime. But do you need do you need a panel to you know rehash what happened on January sixth, or is the purpose of a panel just again purely more political theater? Because here. What we're going to do is we're going to use this to show the Republicans links to, you know, some of these crazies that came to Washington. 855-616-1620. Also, an attempt to, again, keep the public focused on on Donald Trump and what happened. Because, let's face it, for the next two years, that's going to be the big political boogeyman. It's going to be, let's try to divide Republicans, the people, you know, who are are still the Trump loyalists and the people who want to move on. Let's try to use Trump as the wedge issue. Do we need to spend millions of dollars of taxpayer money to do that? 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. My answer would be, be no. And if we're going to do this commission, let's just understand what it is. It's it's political and it's designed, again, to score political points. And as long as we understand that, that's fine. But should the taxpayers be funding that? 855-616-1620. We discuss in a moment. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620, which is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Okay, so the, the big push from Nancy Pelosi is she wants this 9-11-style commission to examine the January 6th Capitol riot. Well, I, I understand why we did the 9-11 commission. Let's just understand. 
the the, the capital riot that this is taxpayer paid for political theater this is what the idea is we we know what happened at the riot you had a handful of lunatics who decided to storm the capital they will be prosecuted and i guess my argument would be all right whatever you need to know about this is going to come out in the fashion and the form of the criminal prosecutions let's understand by doing this commission well in the words of one of our texters what you're trying to do is just give another opportunity to again repeat what went on the first two days of the impeachment hearing play this out on the nightly news show again all sorts of film footage to help booster bolster democrats saying look this is this evil donald trump and, and this is what he was responsible for do you need a commission and taxpayer dollars to justify that um here's a text jeff where's the commission for the summer of unrest well, that could be it as well. Um, 855-616-1620. Jeff, I believe Pelosi is asking for the commission due to the fact that impeachment was a bust. She won't let it go until she feels all the levers have been pulled. Yeah, I, and, and by the way, I think this would have been happening regardless of whether how impeachment turned out because, again, it's another opportunity to say, let, let's blame the Republicans for you know the, the, what happened on January 6th and let's use this again as this wedge issue, and we'll see how much mileage we can get out of it for the next couple of years. Uh, Sue in Two Rivers. Sue, you're on WTMJ. Yeah, um, I think if they just looked a little deeper into Nancy Pelosi, from what I've been told and what I've read, it was that she is the one who is in charge of making sure there's protection there and everything else. And I believe she knew this was going to happen ahead of time, but didn't do anything about it because she knew it would look bad for Trump. And now she's probably well. I guess in her mind. Well, I mean, see, I don't think. I look. I, I, I mean, I think. You don't need a commission to you don't you don't need to spend millions of dollars in a commission to to tell you that there you, you don't need Congress to create a commission with subpoena power to do this. There there are already internal investigations that are going on, and I, I mean obviously you're you're going to have trust me you're you're having the FBI look at this, you have the Capitol Police looking at this. There, there's clearly there will be reports focusing on and what was the failure of of the police? Why was it that you you didn't have people, if there were warnings about this, why Why were they so unprepared? You know, why didn't the Capitol Police go and um, why didn't they request assistance? Wasn't there, why wasn't there more of, of a presence that's there? But, but those those are going to be done regardless. You, you don't need to create a special commission to do this and spend millions of dollars on it. And again, to, to me, it's, I understand why this is going on. It, it is political theater that, that's out there and it's, let's give stuff, let's give, spend taxpayer money to give ammunition for it for the national news and and by the way again if if there is evidence that prosecutors develop suggesting that i don't know donald trump has has in fact incited a riot and 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 that's an actionable thing well that's then you bring charges and it comes out in the criminal context but but this this isn't what that is all about. To me, this is nothing but an effort to try to keep this front and center and use it as a political wedge. And I'm not sure what you end up accomplishing. All right, let's talk to um, Scott in New Berlin. Scott, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi, those things you just said are true. But as you well know, that all those entities have certain jurisdictions and limits to their power. What the commission would do is answer some 
would be able to tie some questions in, like, why did the Trump campaign convince these organizations, the Old Keepers, Proud Boys, Women for Trump, to switch their dates for the convention? He invested $50 million into convincing them to switch their rally dates, which were later in the month. Why did the Pentagon delay help when the uh, leader of the National Guard on site was begging the Pentagon to let him go in and there was no response? When did Trump find out that from the Secret Service that the number two and number three were in danger and what were his reactions to that? Okay, so well, let me stop. Well, well, I mean, um, but I mean let's we stop. didn't need to do No, no, let me, Scott, commission. let me stop you. I got a question. What, what, what do you, so what are you going to do? You're going to subpoena the, the former president. Is that it? You want to put him under oath? I mean, I, I mean, how, how far do you carry this? Uh, I, I, I mean, I don't know why not. I mean, there's not a president. Uh, when was the last president that was questioned, especially in an impeachment that wasn't under oath? If that's where it leads, that's where it leads. I don't understand the fear of getting the truth. I, I mean, other than. Well, it's you know, not, a, got, it's not a question of a fear right. of getting the truth. It's a, why are we, we doing this and, and what, what is the ultimate goal and why do you think that you're going to be able to get whatever the truth is? And, and isn't the, the truth going to be viewed from a, a number of different perspectives depending on, on what your political opinion on this is? Well, I, I think well, you just said it very clearly. Your truth is based on your political opinion. And if what they said was doing a bipartisan committee, maybe we'll avoid that bipartisan truth based on your beliefs and just get some facts to study well, I, mean, um, I, mean, I think the public deserves to know this this was a serious incident well, of course it was serious uh, we could have lost we could have lost a third of our political leaders that day well i thanks for calling i mean i, I don't want to over of course it was a serious incident i don't know if you could have lost a third of our political but of course it was a serious incident and and that's why the people that were responsible for it needed to need to be prosecuted but if the purpose of this is well we're going to try to explore links that the former president did the former president have any conversations with members of the proud boys or did he um was there were there you know government officials that reached out to some of these extremist groups if 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 that's the purpose for it i would argue that then that's better served as part of a criminal investigation that, that's out there but let, let's let's understand that's that's exactly what I mean. Some people are going to be looking for. Let's put this on the national news. We're searching for for the truth. And my point would be, I think it's more likely that people are searching to try to make political points as opposed to what the truth is. And by the way, if you believe, like I keep saying, if they believe that there is a basis to charge Donald Trump with a crime, well, I'd, I'd say go ahead and do it. I mean, if you think that there's probable cause to do it, go go ahead and do it. Now, I think most prosecutors think that that's not exactly the case. And a lot of the stuff that we're talking about, it's going to come out as part of the underlying criminal prosecution of, of a number of the people that were arrested. It's, it's going to answer a lot of those questions. Do you need a separate do you need a separate investigation with subpoena power? for the next couple of years to draw a conclusion that's essentially, you know, you had a bunch of crazies that descended on the Capitol. They were whipped up by this idea that the election was stolen. It got out of hand and authorities did not respond appropriately. Okay, there, I, that, that's, that, that's in a nutshell, you know, that's what ended up happening. If you say, well, you need that investigation to make sure it doesn't happen again, well, 
I, I, I don't know that there's anything that's going to tell us that's going to allow us to move forward. The 9-11 Commission, that was a different story. But the January 6th riots at the Capitol, and they were riots, that, that it was different than 9-11. When we come back, we'll find out what John McCure has on his mind on Wisconsin's Afternoon News.